from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Here we are on yet another episode of Legends Look Back. Excited to have uh, our fans and friends and our community here with us live in the chat. If you are not here with us, hey, we do the show every Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. over on YouTube.com slash Utini. And I've got a really big announcement to make uh, on a personal level here. Um, I'm really excited to show off. We always, you know, like to show off our newest pieces in our collections because we're hoarders. I mean, we're, we're collectors over here at Legends Look Back. Um, but I've got a really special book, not because of the book itself, but because of what it represents to me as a collector. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by the fake Meg and Freddie, and by that I mean they're both out this week. But we've got some other uh, friends here with us, <laughs> helping keep the show, uh, helping keep the show going. So we've got uh, both Cheryl and Jacob. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Hello. Good. How are not, you? Not too bad. Great. I want to see if you guys know what this book is. You recognize this? You ever seen it before? No. Uh, I, I know the series. I haven't seen that specific book, though. Yeah. yeah. This is Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse. This is the very last title in the Fate of the Jedi series. Uh, published, uh, who is this? Um, 2013, so right at the end, 2012. The paperback was 2013, right at the end. Right at the end of legends publishing you know before the the big drama the big bomb was dropped in uh, in april of 2014 this is in fact one of the very last legends books to be published in paperback without a legends banner this has been the white whale of my collection for <laughs> years years we're talking uh since this was first released um finally found it this past week and you're going to watch me here live on the show. I, I take it the fact that neither of you recognize the cover. I'm going to guess neither <laughs> of you have read it. No. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's fine. Freddie hasn't even read these yet. So, I mean, like, to get to these chronologically in the world of if you're trying to read everything in Legends, I mean, it'll take you years to get to this bad right. boy. You don't have to read chronologically. This is uh, a real masterpiece of a book for the fact that it's over 500 pages long it is the culmination of a nine book series that of course came after the legacy of the force which was a nine book series which came after fate of the jedi or uh what is it called new jedi order, new jedi order. which is a 19 book series <laughs> so in order to get to this like that's a lot of legends all right <laughs> but you're gonna watch me live on the show i'm gonna slot this in to my bookshelves right behind me and this will be the last Legends paperback that I needed in order to complete my Legends paperback collection. It's a pretty, pretty big deal, isn't it? Thank you. I mean, <laughs> when I put it on the shelf the other day after it arrived, there were no flashy lights or confetti. There was no celebratory music that happened. So uh, we're going to do it again. We're going to have a do-over, and we're going to have the community right here with me uh, excited about completing my Legends paperback collection. Now, I will say, I still have one, Death Troopers, that I have with a Legends banner that I need to f replace with one without the Legends banner. But then, besides that, there's, what, three to five? I'm not exactly sure on the number. 
of Legends paperbacks that were never published without a Legends banner, which is one of those things that keeps me up at night. Do you guys care about that at all? No. Resounding no from Cheryl. Yeah, it's like I'm not the most hardcore Legends person, but if I were to start collecting, I think I would prefer without the Legends banner when possible. So, like, I I understand it, especially if you're trying to have this complete collection. That's the deal. It's not like I have a problem with the Legends banner. Um, I think it looks nice on some books. Uh, I've got, you know, my copy of Lost Tribe of the Sith, the collected stories. There is no version of it without the Legends banner. I would rather have it with the Legends banner than not have it at all. It's a great book. Love it. It's the mass market paperback or, or the trade paperback. Trade paperback, a little bigger. yeah. The new size they're doing. So readable. Love it. But this book has been so hard to get without the Legends banner because for the most part, it's been published with the Legends banner. It was one of the very last ones, if not the last one. I'm not totally sure on that. Have to get Trevor or one of our other Legends experts to, to weigh in on all of that info. Um, this series, I was I was finally getting to it right about the time it was finishing. I caught up on my several years' journey of reading New Jedi Order, reading Legacy of the Forest. Got to this shortly after it was published. I owned the rest of the series in paperback. This one was not out yet in paperback, so I bought that $28 hardcover. I bit the bullet. Ah, I was like, I gotta know what happens. Gotta read the series. And then I just said to my wife, standing in the bookstore... I'll buy it as a paperback sooner or later. It won't be that hard to find. Famous. <laughs> Famous last, last words. words. <laughs> I had no idea that that would have been in 2013. What is this? Eight years later, I'd still be looking for this sucker. Uh, I paid way more than I wanted to for it. Still, like, not not even, you know, what, $11? But most of my Legends books I bought for, you know, 2 to $3 because I'm redneck like that. Uh, you know, I like to buy things at uh, thrift stores. Mm-hmm. Um and here we are. It's going to go on the shelf. The last Legends book I needed for my Legends paperback collection. So uh, you're producing for us this week, Jacob. You got a drum uh-huh. roll sound effect? Uh, I do not. All right. Nor do I Make have one ready. <laughs> Make one with your mouth. Ready? Here we go. Uh, Just like banging it after Ascension. Uh, oh, he's trying. And ta-da. Yay. Everybody can see my thighs. Scoot up to the microphone and let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back. We're proudly, uh, let's try this again. We're proudly a part of the Utini Podcast Network. This is what happens when my other co-hosts don't show up for the show. I say crazy things and words that are not actually the right words. This is a Star Wars books podcast for people whose number one life goal is to get slimed with that neon green slime that they use on Nickelodeon in the 90s and for it to happen on live TV. But one of those box TVs that you have to turn on with your fingers instead of with a remote where we talk about all things legends. We're celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today there's no Freddy. There's no Meg, but I'm not here all alone. Thankfully, that would be awkward, wouldn't it, if I was just sitting in here talking about legends? (laughs) That would be like any other night that's not a Thursday night. I just sit in here and rant about legends books. My wife is like, I don't care. But tonight, I'm not alone. In fact, joining me on this journey is our friend from the Great White North, Cheryl Bell. We didn't scare her off last week. You came back. I did, um, but I don't want to be slimed. You don't want to be slimed? No. I mean, like, what if it was, what if you got paid to do it? I have to get paid a lot of money. <laughs> I would do it for free. I mean, it kind of sounds fun. As long as, like, I had, you know, good access to a shower afterward. What about you, Jacob? What's your opinion on Nickelodeon slime? 
Um, I feel like it was kind of being phased out by the time I was a kid, and I don't know if, <laughs> yeah, like Cheryl, I'm not sure if any normal adult would want to get slimed uh, in this day and age. <laughs> what are you saying, but, <laughs> uh, uh, saying not much, insinuating maybe maybe a little bit of something, but yeah, uh, I, I'll try anything once within reason. Yeah, you know, I this conversation came up on a on a stream that I was watching the other day, and uh, somebody who shares my uh, my '90s retro aesthetic uh, a streamer was talking about how slimes made a comeback and uh some people were confirming like nickelodeon they've tried to bring it back i don't know well, i watched it it was years. in the it was in that nfl game did you watch that there's like the thursday oh, night it, no it, there's a there's like a thursday night football game last season where they had a a simultaneous broadcast on nickelodeon to try and draw in what? young viewers and they had like uh, videographic like slime cans that come out of the corners of the pylons and shoot slime in the air during uh, touchdowns. Yeah, I'm gonna Google it, that for sure. It That's was awesome. it was a sight to behold. Uh, Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky, famous uh, not great quarterback of the Chicago Bears, got the MVP award. Uh, <laughs> don't ask me what that stands for. Nickelodeon valuable player. Uh, I'm not sure. That is a terrible, <laughs> terrible title. Oh my goodness. But it happened. <laughs> we gotta get in touch with the NFL. And get us some of that slime. If Nickelodeon doesn't yeah. work out, the NFL totally donated <laughs> their leftover slime. Well, you know, Jacob, this is your first appearance on the show. You've been a regular it listener, le- regular fan, le- regular friend with us in the chat. And I've got to admit, this is going to be your first among many. I can feel it. Or oh shall boy. we say, I have foreseen it. How was that in, in terms of impressions? At least like a six out of ten? No, well, I'll give it that. You know, I I felt bad that I made <laughs> you on like seven. super short notice do the Cosmic Force because uh, I was out of town. So when the chance arose to uh, help uh, fill Meg's mighty shoes, I figured I might as well take that and uh, pay you back for no, it. I've been loving it. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Uh, so since you brought it up, tell us a little bit about the Cosmic Force. Uh, what what do you guys have going on over there on Wednesday nights? Yeah, so it's our Utini's newest live show, uh, and we're doing a bunch of uh, a bunch of comic coverage for Star Wars. So we this past week, or I guess just yesterday, now we talked about characters, how they compared with comic books and like their movie and book counterparts. And then next week, we're actually stealing a Legends Look Back classic. Uh, I watched, yeah, I watched episode. I think it was episode forty three that you did with Jose. Where you I don't bu- have all the numbers coordinated yeah, you, in my you mind basically, with the episodes. You and Freddie built him a custom reading list based on his his preferences. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? I'm gonna steal that. So Cosmic Force is doing that with a special guest uh, next week. Uh, so uh, yeah, That's get cool. excited. Yeah, I it was like that. that was a lot of fun, and you know, got to expose people to some some good series, some good books outside of like the Foundational Five and everything like that. So hopefully, well, that I goes hope well. you're exposing them to Dark Empire. Dark Empire 2, Wait. and Empire's End. Those would all be good choices. Well, I, I, I made the ground rule that all of our foundational five books are off off uh, limits, so we cannot do Dark Empire 1, and I okay. don't think I can and can in good conscience recommend Dark Empire 2 to a new <laughs> comic crazy. book reader. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Why not? You got the galaxy gun. You got uh, You got Rafe and Jim, who speak, what, pigeon basic... And then yeah. Luke falls in love with one of his students, as huh. Legends Luke is, is uh, you know, rife to do. You've got, right. uh, what else? You got Force-sensitive tree. Lots of good Force-sensitive trees in Legends. You got a steampunk bowling ball Jedi. That's that shoots right. lightning out of his arm. Man, the, the, the Falcon gets <laughs> retrofitted with steampunk technology. Man, I love that thing so much. I need to get, like, a big blown-up 
poster of it just to put across my room. My wife's a muralist. Maybe she'll paint like a full wall of the lightning gun Millennium Falcon. That's a good idea. Hopefully I remember this in order to ask her tomorrow. We're going away for our anniversary. That's what I'll pitch to her on our three-hour drive for our anniversary. All right, I got an idea for you. I need another mural. Well, <laughs> I'm so excited about what you guys have going on over there on that show. Um, it has become my very favorite Wednesday night tradition. I rush people out of the church building for my Wednesday night class and turn it on in the car on the drive home. Just uh, absolutely love what you guys have, and have going on over there. Glad that you're on the show. Now, this week, of course, is our second part of our coverage on the seminal Legends classic, Outbound Flight. Of course, this being 2021 is the 30th anniversary of not only the Thrawn trilogy, Timothy Zahn writing Star Wars, but most importantly, of Grand Admiral Thrawn himself. And so in this book, it's before he's a Grand Admiral. He's just, what is he? He's not a, he's not an Admiral. He's something. Captain? Is he just a captain? I think he's just captain a captain. Captain Thrawn? Yeah, maybe like senior captain. We need, we need like uh, a serial. Commander Thrawn. Commander? Oh, Commander. Yeah. I definitely Somebody... don't have the, the Wook article pulled up because I don't we... remember much of this book. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Jose to make us like a cereal box of Captain Crunch and then to just like paint his skin blue and his eyes red. Captain senior Captain Thrawn. Captain Mithron you owe dotes. I'm working on it. You know, we're workshopping the title. <laughs> but, of course, this has, on reread, become, I think, one of my top ten Legends novels. I need to revisit my list. Absolutely loved it. Can't wait for us to get into some of the more detailed points about this book and the overarching questions. Last week, we talked about the characters. You got Thrawn. You got the uh, first appearance of Aralani. You've got Obi-Wan and Anakin. You've got Joris Sabayoth, the OG Sabayoth, who, uh, spoiler alert, is even more of a jerk than his clone counterpart. Um, some tremendous characters in this book, both from the prequel trilogy as well as the Timothy Zahn's uh, larger empire of character building, some of which have even made their transition over into canon. Um, this book, of course, is even referenced in canon. We're going to talk a little bit about its connections to greater good. So much goodness coming up your way tonight. But before we do, we've got to talk about our recent acquisitions because uh, I've got one very special, two, honestly, very special books to, to show off. I can't wait. Um, two very storied Legends Look Back books at this point. But first, Cheryl, what do you have for us? First and foremost, you've got, uh, you've got a shirt on. That mm -hmm. looks very, very thrawny. What is that over there? I've got the Utini Thrawn. Whoops. Let's turn the other way. There yeah, we go. that gets me every time, the mirror image. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. The shirt designed by our own Jose. I think I've added that thing to my cart like 20 times and haven't pulled the trigger. You can't buy all the Star Wars things you want to buy. No, I I had it because it was a uh, uh, part of my perk as a oh, Jedi cool. High yeah. Council member for yeah. a while. Yeah, so. flex that Jedi High Council status. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. All right, what about Star Wars books yeah, and merchandise? Yeah, so I, even though I'm not going to keep it, and I'll tell you why in a sec. <laughs> oh, no. <gasps> my signed copy. copy. I like that sticker on there. Right? Your first of so. many signed copies. Yeah. So where is where is the page? I've got Zahn's autograph oh, behind me on the shelves, but not in a book. Mm. Weirdly enough. Yep. Checks out. Looks like the autograph I've got. Yep. Um. So the reason why I'm not keeping this one is because after this one was announced, they came out with that Goldsboro one with oh, the yeah, sprayed right. red edges. Mm-hmm. So I definitely ordered that one. Did you really? I almost so. did. 
that one's in the mail right now. It's going to take a while to get to me because it's coming from the UK and I'm in Canada. Um, So this one I'm probably just going to send to Adam because he collects every single canon Star Wars book that comes out. Cool. Nice. Um, Here's the deal with the Goldsboro. Okay, so if people don't know what she's talking about, I think she did a good job describing it. Uh, With with Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. Man, why does it have such a long, stinking title? Um, it has blue pages. And then people were like, okay, this one's got a red cover. It's going to have red pages. And then on Twitter, they were like, well, not so fast. Like That's actually kind of a complicated publishing detail to work out. And it's with the, with the printer. And they weren't able to pull it off in the U.S., but Goldsboro in the U.K. did. And the dedicated fans, like Cheryl, have gone out of their way. They said, forget about oceans. Oceans. <laughs> Just yeet it over the ocean, over to me, and uh, I'm going to get it on my shelves. Now, here's the reason why I didn't get the Goldsboro edition. First of all, I'm going to try to get the out-of-print edition. That's, that's like, you me know. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Same. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous, and I my, need it. My wife is starting to catch on to the fact that I've been buying multiple copies of Star Wars books for collectible purposes. And she's like, we're going to have to narrow some of that down. If you've read the book and you have a copy, let's not buy three. And I'm like, that's true. But I did buy two different sets of the original Thrawn trilogy this past week for different reasons. <laughs> I wanted to have a loner version. You know, I, you got to have. Those are like very loanable books. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, you know, my books are important to me. I don't want to have, as has happened with my copy of Victor Prime, I don't want my neighbor to have it for a year. You know, so I've got loner versions now. There's a good reason. I All have right, readable but, versions. I don't yeah. read my signed copies. I have another go. copy exactly. of it over there. <laughs> That's the non-signed <laughs> copy that I use for actual reading. Exactly, yeah. So it. we're on the same wavelength here. Here's why I didn't get the Goldsboro, though. Those red pages are not visible from the shelf if your spines face outward. Correct. So nobody will ever know. But I will know. I know. Now, this is me trying to convince myself, Cheryl. <laughs> this is, you're the devil on my shoulder in this scenario. Oh, sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I got the blue pages on Chaos Rising. Actually, accidentally bought two of those. So that's part of the problem that we're dealing with. Long story short, congratulations. I'm very jealous. How about you, Jacob? <laughs> yeah, so, well, I also am getting I got in on the Goldsboro, uh, but mine also is still coming from the UK. But I have a few acquisitions for this week. Uh, first, it came like more than a week ago, but I had to represent something Legends on this show. Yeah, so that's of right. course there it I is. joined the Insider Fiction Collection. Gorgeous! Uh, Look at the shine group. on that thing. It's yeah, Man, excellent. This is wonderful. Uh, there was I don't know if you guys remember. There's a data leak with Equifax a couple years ago, and there's a class action lawsuit in my state. So I got an Amazon gift card for which, of course, I bought Star Wars books with. So that was part of oh, that. Cool. Good. Yeah. Uh, then I got to represent some comics. Uh, showed this on the show last night, but I got the Will Sliney uh, variant for oh, the War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. Uh, really like that one. I'm trying not but to buy any variants for that. This one was but... a cheaper one, so I didn't feel uh. as bad. And then this one is um, a big flex for my Canon fans. Um, if Ooh. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> a that gut grin. reaction. Look at that <laughs> genuine <laughs> grin on his face. He's so happy. Yeah. Um, oh, that back, so, yeah. the back of it is gorgeous. Man, look at that. It's, it looks excellent. great, yeah. I um, didn't think I would pick that up for a while, but I, I found a decent deal on it, and um, I just, like, 
I want to get all the Canon hardcovers eventually, and I just figured if, if I found a great deal on it, I might as well get that one out of the way. It's like, I got that, I have The Last Jedi, so I don't really have Heir to the Jedi and Lords of the Sith and Tarkin are the, the other hard ones I have left, but... Yeah, that is yeah. cool. I'm, my list is similar. I don't have A New Dawn. I do have Heir to the Jedi, because... It's a very important book of course around here. Legends to. look yeah. back. I mean, it's <laughs> Meg's not here tonight to defend herself, so I'll just say this much: it might be one of her favorite books. I can't remember if it's in the top <laughs> five or top ten. It's on there somewhere. It's it's notorious because it was supposed to be a part of a Legends trilogy, and then, you know, for better or for worse, depending on your judgment of the book, I won't say here. It ended up on the canon side of things. Barely missed the. Missed the cutoff there. Um, now, I've thought about the, the... Show the back of that book again for a second here, Jacob. The, I love the back cover. That is gorgeous. I am contemplating... I'm either going to get the regular Rebel Alliance logo or the Rebels version, that version of the oh, Starbird. Oh, the Sabine Starbird one? Yeah. I'm either going to get one of the two as a tattoo on my shoulder. And I've been waffling for two or three years on which version I want. <laughs> but the... <laughs> The Starbird, man, that looks great on that back cover. I'll just get a new Dawn tattooed onto my shoulder. I'll get the just front get the, cover on the left the shoulder. Book jacket quote. <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever I meet uh, John Jackson Miller at a convention or something, I'll just have him sign right in, right in between. John Jackson Miller. Surely he'll do it. Anyway, um, I've got a couple things to show <laughs> off. I also finally got my copy of uh, the Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection Volume 1, which... We will go ahead and say I, I was wrong. It does exist. I was skeptical. I was getting nervous with all the delays, but it's here, and I love it, and I'm taking it with me on my road trip tomorrow, and I just want to show off some of the art in here, all right? Look at this glorious, glorious image of Dash Rendar in all of his Legends glory. I mean, <laughs> have you ever seen a more beautiful piece of art in your entire life? If your answer is yes, you're wrong. <laughs> it reminds me of like an action hero from like a ter- like a Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah <laughs> action flick. Well, but what's fun is he's in on the joke. He's in on the joke. He I just read Shadow Games. I think is the name of the book. It was a like a, one of the last Legends books. Um, it, it's a Dash Rendar prequel to Shadows of the Empire. It's just a fun, goofy adventure. And he and Han have, like, these verbal sparring matches all through the book about how he's a wannabe Han Solo. And, like, he's in on the joke. It's part of his character's lore. It's it's so breaking the fourth wall. But does he yell, get to the chopper? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll have to read it with that accent. I'll have to reread the book. That's excellent. You know, Cheryl, you could do the audio book. I don't think I've ever heard a Canadian do such a good Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm a huge Arnie fan, so but I can just quote Predator quotes. That's it. That's so great. Oh my goodness, we'll do a crossover event one of these days. Star Wars and Predator podcast. That'll be excellent. All right, I've got one more thing to show off, and that is I got yet another copy of Heart of the Jedi, the Legends book that never existed but now does, and notoriously was the number three bestseller on Amazon's sci-fi adventures list. One day of the week last week. <laughs> Not the whole week. It was just on Wednesday and um, had actually been outselling, at least on that particular day, Greater Good, which is insane. It since has been removed from Amazon, as I you know predicted last week. There was a Death Star coming up on the horizon. Which Death Star? 
I'd like to think the third one from the Jedi Academy trilogy. That's the one that blew up part of the Jedi. It's no longer on Amazon. Have you guys seen the prices for this That's going on eBay? I, that, that was going to be my next question. I was like, now how much did you spend on that? I think I saw over $200 was one of the ones I saw. Yeah, that's. Let me just go ahead and say here: if you're if you got a copy in order to try to sell it on the aftermarket, take it down. All right, <laughs> uh, and spend some money toward a charity. All right, that's just a, an egregious way to treat this book. If you're buying it for collectible purposes, I get it. That's why I got it. But I bought the nonprofit version. No profit went to the person who just posted the manuscript on Amazon for this to just be collectible for Legends fans. Kenneth C. Flint isn't seeing any of the money on those eBay resellings. Um, it's undercutting an author whose career was ruined, first and foremost, by this book. It's also, you know, it's undercutting the publisher mm-hmm. who's not getting any money on this either. And that's a whole debatable thing. It's it's not just unethical, I think, to go and resell these for two or three hundred dollars. I would say borderline illegal jacob you're 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 a law guy no uh, hold on now (laughs) i will be a law guy hopefully knock on wood in three years so call call me then (laughs) law guy is in like you you know more laws than me i I don't know about that that's actually (laughs) we'll see well you've heard my sermon if you get a copy of this put it on your bookshelf loan it to a friend read it for crying out loud read it Luke jousts with a Tusken Raider on the back of a Bantha. It's amazing. Um, but I went ahead. I already had a copy. But I've got this one just for the spine. Look how well formatted that spine is. And that's mm-hmm. going to go great on my Legends paperback shelves. It fits in so nicely right over here. All right, I'm not going to do it right here on the show because <laughs> I want to get it just right. I don't want to bend the cover because these things have become collectible at this point. But what some great acquisitions we've got here. Uh, do you guys over in the chat have any that you want to tell us about? We'd love to hear what uh, your most recent Star Wars books are that you have picked up. But without further ado, we are going to talk about Outbound Flight. Uh, we're not going to go into as much detail on the backstory of this book. Of course, it was first slated for release in 2005, was delayed until 2006. Um... Of course, being Timothy Zahn's first foray into the prequel era, which was paved, uh, the way for which was paved by his writing of Survivor's Quest, which is in that uh, the, the, the post-Return of the Jedi era in Legends. Um, of course, Cheryl got the tip from our buddies Mike and Skuma Joe. You might want to read Outbound Fight uh, after you have read Survivor's Quest. We'll talk about that relationship a little bit tonight. That's in 22 ABY. This is in 27 BBY, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter. They're 50 years apart or something like that. Um, This, of course, is prequel era, five years after the Battle of Naboo. And um, we, of course, last week talked about the plot. If you want a full summary of that, go back and listen to last week's episode. But for tonight, we're going to talk about the overarching questions. First and foremost, one of the more difficult points to comprehend, I, in fact, had to ask Cheryl ahead of time before we went live with this episode, Hey, help me out here. How exactly did Thrawn defeat the Vagari? Because, all right, I'm going to show my redneck brain here for a second. I get a little confused with Timothy Zahn's plots. (laughs) Especially some of the space battles. If I'm listening to an audiobook in particular, I'm absolutely hopeless. This one mostly makes sense to me, but I want Cheryl... To help us figure it out, how exactly, in your opinion, does Thrawn defeat the Vagari, Cheryl? <laughs> yeah, this one had a lot of moving parts. 
I, I kind of like to picture it like how a chess player has to adjust his strategy after every move his opponent makes. And Are you saying chiss or chess? Chess. Chiss, chess. Chess I'm player. Sorry. <laughs> I could, I could, I get it. Um, and how he has to like utilize every piece on the board in order to win. Yeah. Sort of. This, the ending of this definitely feels like there's a lot of moving chess pieces on the board. So mm-hmm. help us remember who all are the moving chess pieces. You got Droid Akaz. Yeah, yeah. So he for he uses a lure in the case of the Vagari to try to like skirt around the preemptive strike rule with um, the chiss. Sure. He utilizes Cardos in understanding his convictions, knowing like kind of like what actions he would take, and. Um, to your point, he uses the resources of Doriana and the Separatist droid army after he defeats them. And he incapacitates Outbound Flight as a threat, though I would say that the ultimate fate of Outbound Flight was probably not what he fully envisioned. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, and I think the only player that Thrawn underestimated in this case was the Jedi. Because even though it was like he pre-programmed the Separatist ships and droid because and that brought his ultimate victory, Doriana had to hit the execute button at the end because Thrawn was being choked by Sabaoth. Yeah. Yeah, so. he didn't anticipate that the Jedi would be cruel. Uh, in that way, <laughs> way to go, Sabaoth. Or One of the strength. only people capable of defeating Thrawn. Almost. Mm-hmm. Nice try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, felt, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, it felt more like an, an ensemble to achieve his victory as opposed to some of the other finales we've seen. Yeah, I, mean, I want to talk about that, how this compares to some of the other big Thrawn, Zahn endings. Um, I, I did want to plug, however, I posted a little clip on um, our Legends Look Back Discord channel this past week. It's one of those things where as soon as we close out the show on Thursday nights, I hop over to YouTube and start watching dumb stuff to try to calm down because I get all, I get so hyped for these episodes of Legends Look Back, trying to bring that energy to the show. What's up? You, you better appreciate it because it keeps me up till 1 a.m. every Thursday. And <laughs> <laughs> But amazingly, you know, these glowing rocks that we used in order to help us think and consume media, our computers, they, uh, they're, they're always listening. And uh, this sucker, are they always listening? I'm convinced they are. Because as soon as we ended the show, I got a YouTube recommendation for, from Star Wars Explained. And it was about uh, comparing Zahn's Thrawn with, how, with Filoni's Thrawn, right? Thrawn's right. Appear, appearance in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on the show last week. How do you think, somebody asked in the chat, how do you think Thrawn was handled in Rebels compared to the books? Mm-hmm. And Star Wars Explained, a few years ago, right after he was introduced in Rebels, they did an interview with Timothy Zahn, very brief, five minutes or so, and they asked him about it, and he made a great point that I want to bring up here. Zahn says that, yes, Thrawn is a critical thinker, he's a military genius, he's able to anticipate people's moves because he learns their culture, he... he does his homework, he's always one step ahead, two, three steps ahead on the chessboard. However, the only way to defeat Thrawn is with someone he cannot predict, something unexpected, someone he can't get ahead of. And so, obviously, that's what happens in Rebels. I won't spoil it there. That's what happens at the end of the Thrawn trilogy. Do you think that is ultimately true about Thrawn, that uh, the only way to defeat him 
is to throw something at him that he can't anticipate? Uh, yeah, yeah. My only problem with it in regards to Rebels is that if we're to go with what we've seen in the books, he's met Anakin, so he's met Jedi before. So that's yeah. why I would say he would anticipate how, like, he just gets thwarted by them a little too easily in Rebels, but that's because that's what the story had to tell. But yeah, it definitely right. is, like in this case especially, this is his first time in Legends where he encounters Jedi and their power. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why this was so cool. Back in 2006, you know, when I first read this, I didn't have two other <laughs> Thrawn trilogies to read, in which case sometimes he's hanging out with Anakin. And um, in this, there, there are not just Skywalkers, for whatever that means. And mm-hmm. What a goofy little play on words they've got there. In this, it was really novel to see young Thrawn mm-hmm. hanging out with Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, uh, hanging out with uh, pre-clone Sabayoth. It was really, really fun, kind of a, a mashup of a book. Um, however, let's compare this to some of these other Thrawn endings. We've had, what, uh, one, two, three, four, five other <laughs> Thrawn novels written since this. How does the ending of this, this big twist ending, compared to some of other some of Zahn's other big finishes. It's one of the things that Zahn likes to do is have a big twist ending, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. How does it compare? They all have twist endings. Yeah. <laughs> they all have that moment where you're like, what? Right. What? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Jacob, have you read Scoundrels? I have not. No. Okay. I don't want to spoil it for you. I there's haven't a either, tw- so Okay. No there's a twist ending <laughs> at the end of Scoundrels. It's not a big space battle twist ending where there's one other chess piece on the board that's introduced that's able to win the battle but it's it's more of a character centric twist ending that absolutely i remember i was mowing my lawn listening to the audiobook about 10 years ago um listening to scoundrels and i was really enjoying it It was like kind of a b-level book for me and then i got to the ending i just remember like turning off my lawnmower immediately and like realizing he had pulled the wool over my eyes or rug out from under me? Which one is it? I always mess this up. Pull the I think I messed it eyes. up last Just week. Go with that one. <laughs> he had totally, <laughs> totally uh, <laughs> baffled me with this ending. I did not see it coming. And since, it's become one of my favorite Legends books. So I think, other than Scoundrels, this is my favorite big Thrawn twist ending. Maybe mm-hmm. The Last Command? You've got Luuk. You know, kind of cool that they've cloned Luke's yeah. hand into making a... <laughs> and then I prefer that's this one the solution. To, yeah. Go ahead. I think this one... Uh, yeah, I prefer this one to The Last Command. Well, The Last yeah, Command, anyway. it's definitely kind of kitschy, right? It's kind of goofy. The way Mara is able, Mara's able to defeat, you know, The Last Command of You Must Destroy okay, Luke Skywalker. Well, I liked that aspect of it, To Jared. kill Luke Skywalker, <laughs> but with two U's and a blue lightsaber. Yeah. Um, it's goofy. This one stacks up pretty well. What do you think, Jacob? It's been a long time since you read this book, but... It has do you been have a very a per- long time. Do you have a particular Zon twist ending that you love? I don't know if I have one in particular that I love the most. I think like how you're saying with like his, his big twist endings, especially with his space battles, I've as of, as of recently, especially with greater good, uh, I've learned to just accept that I'm along for the ride. and I'm not gonna be able to anticipate what that twist is. Like 
I'm usually someone with like the plots of books or movies that tries to think ahead and figure out where this is going, but I am just like, all right, well, I know he's going to do something crazy at the end and I'm not going to expect it. So I might as well just enjoy the moment while I'm in it. So yeah, I yeah. look at you. Yeah, I think so optimistic. <laughs> I think of the, of the Thrawn books I can remember, I think maybe chaos rising has my favorite ending, but I don't know I like after finishing Greater Good recently, I I feel the need to go back and reread a ton of them. Uh, with what time I don't know, but eventually, eventually I'll get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll say this much: I won't spoil Greater Good's ending, but I will say it's got a twist ending, and I liked it. So there's that. Have you finished it, Cheryl? You're nodding I did. I finally enthusiastically. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see you're containing twists, yourself. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, is there a twist? If you know the twist, don't put it in the chat. Keep it to yourself. Let's give it that. Uh, what's our spoiler policy at Utini? Is it one month uh, before you can have no spoiler? Three tracks? months, actually, with books. Okay. You guys need to hurry up. You jump into <laughs> light speed with your reading. No, it's fine. It's fine. I actually had to just move a Legends Look Back roundtable because I don't think I'm going to be able to read uh, things as fast as I thought I would. I'll say this much about the Fiction Insider Collection, the Insider Fiction Collection. There's more text in here than I thought there would be. There's... Oh, yeah. there's there's multiple columns on every page with very fine print, and so I had to build myself more time. We are going to do a review of it, but it'll be probably July at this point because we've got a big announcement at the end of the show of something we're going to do next. Before we get there, this was, of course, Zahn's first foray into the prequel era. Talked about that a little bit, and I want to know, in your opinion, is Zahn a better prequel era writer? Or like an original trilogy, legend sequel era writer, like post Return of the Jedi Zon, or prequel era Zon. Which do you prefer, Cheryl? I mean, obviously, I think he's great at both. But I think since he's lived with the OT characters an era longer, that he writes that era really, really well. At least at the time that this book came out, anyway. Like if I had to choose now, of course, with all his new works. Yeah. I think they're all pretty comparable, but I really, I really just loved how, he, in my opinion, he absolutely nailed the characterizations of the OT characters. Yep, that was my answer. So, uh, way to go! <laughs> you only get one answer this week because <laughs> Cheryl took mine. Yeah, I agree. He's he's one of the only characters who, one of the only writers for me who can do Leia yes. very well. Um, it's really hard to to write Leia for for most Star Wars writers. And a lot of times they're just like, yeah, she's a mom. End of story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, there's so much more to her than that. She, she's the damsel who wasn't in distress. There's, it's an yeah. incredibly, incredibly pivotal character in fiction, in, in, in English. The fact that she is the princess who totally reinvents what a princess is in, in, in fantasy storytelling. Zahn's the only one who can do her... Well, especially, you know, like, in Legends, especially back in the day. He writes her as so well-rounded, like, all aspects. Like, not just the tough, like, political side, but also, like, the mother side or the wife side. But also, I love how he writes how the other male characters view her. Definitely, yeah. Not, I mean, you'll catch catch other diplomats sparring with her. You've got, um, you know, Han playing off of her, Luke playing off with her, different sides of the relationship with everyone. Um, But I will say, with this book in particular, I loved 
him writing Anakin and Obi-Wan. This was a particular joy for me. Um, I, I could not believe when I reread how much I enjoyed just hanging out with Zahn's Obi-Wan and Anakin. Clearly, he enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think he had a lot of fun getting to write Obi-Wan and Anakin, don't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, all this stuff with them is just delightful. Because, I, in my opinion, now this is my hot take on Thrawn. Meg and Freddy aren't here to keep me in line, so <laughs> going off script a little bit here. All right. Now, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. I like the canon Thrawn books. But I love Legends Thrawn books. Okay, there's a difference. And here's the reason why. I think Thrawn is most interesting not because of him. He's a little bit too much like Space Sherlock Holmes for me. I think he's most interesting because of the characters that surround him. I think his stories are most interesting depending on who you put him in conversation with and in conflict with. You agree, Jacob? Yeah, I I think Meg actually had a tweet about this maybe a week or two ago where she had had a conversation with someone or she saw a review on Goodreads or something like that that said about greater good that they didn't like it as much because there wasn't enough Thrawn. But yeah, I think <laughs> it's, well, it's like, all right, well, whatever. But yeah, the the thing that makes Thrawn interesting, it's, it's not even the fact that he's surrounded by all these different characters. It's how they view Thrawn and viewing Thrawn through their lens. So, yeah. you know, putting on my canon hat, uh, cap here for a second like you know Eli Vanto seeing how he sees Thrawn and seeing how Arlani sees Thrawn and all these different characters and Thalia sees Thrawn I think that's what makes it interesting because they all have their different interpretations of who that person is it's yeah. like obviously Thrawn's an interesting person but he's so like I, I always like to tell people he's basically like Star Wars Encyclopedia Brown where he's just like you know you put in situation he comes out with battle plan and I think <laughs> yeah. seeing people, yeah, seeing how other people view that is what is interesting, not him and himself. Mm-hmm. And outbound flight for me was so rewarding in that regard because you've got such a different mix of characters reacting to Thrawn and spending time with Thrawn. Um, in particular, loved his relationship with Cardos in this. It's like they're kind of becoming friends, and then Cardos saves him, saves this villain. Uh, who at this point is becoming more of a likable character, but b- before this book, he was just a villain. Um, of course, you've got uh, him playing off some some of Palpatine's cronies. You've got Doriana and uh, his crew. You've got him playing off of Nemoidians and uh, reacting to battle droids and droidicas, and then Obi-Wan and Anakin and uh, young pre-clone Sabaoth. I just loved the way that... Uh, that Zahn wrote those prequel era characters. Now, your answer there, Jacob, reminded me of... <laughs> you said uh, Meg found a person who said, well, it needed more Thrawn. It didn't have enough Thrawn. Well, if you want more Thrawn, may I recommend the 2016 covers, uh, which I finally acquired, of the original Thrawn trilogy, which, may I remind you, <laughs> our friends over at Club J did the math. They did the percentages. They crunched the numbers. This series of books, thanks to our buddy Aiden in the Discord for selling me these at a very reasonable price. So happy to finally get my own copies. They have 275% more Thrawn than the original covers of the Thrawn trilogy. (laughs) You want more Thrawn? Here you go, more Thrawn. We'll we'll talk more about uh, re-envisioned covers for some of these books as well. We're going to pitch what the new cover might look like for Outbound Flight before the episode is over. But first, let me ask this. Um, which era do you think Thrawn more la- more naturally fits in to you? At this point, we've seen Thrawn in this prequel era with the Ascendancy trilogy with Outbound Flight. We've seen Thrawn in the original trilogy era with Rebels. We've got Thrawn in the uh, 
post Return of the Jedi era with the um, the Thrawn trilogy, it, it, there's not many characters that can cross over every era of Star Wars <laughs> like mm-hmm. Thrawn can. So, in which era do you prefer Thrawn? It's a different question than how do you like Zahn's writing in which era. The question is which era do you think Thrawn more naturally fits into you, Cheryl? Well, I I personally prefer him in the pre-Empire era, if anything, because I always love the story of him learning, and I also like it when he isn't aligned with the fascists. Like, I can more fully (laughs) root for him and not feel like I shouldn't, you know? Yeah, I, wow, that's a crazy thing to say. You heard it here first, folks. She likes it when he aligns with the with the fascists. No, I said... That's <laughs> not what I said, Jared. <laughs> What'd you say? I said I like it when he isn't aligned with the fascists so that I I'll can... I'll admit I was typing a comment him. on YouTube. All right, <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. Geez. Some key difference there. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. I edit the episode so I can make you say whatever I want. <laughs> Jacob, do you have an opinion on this? I, which, which era does Thrawn fit in best for you? So here's the problem <laughs> is you invited me on the show. I have not read <laughs> Outbound Flight in probably, <laughs> oh boy. Um, but you've read it. I have, I have read it. It's probably been about 12 years. I have not read uh, the original Legends Thrawn trilogy in my entire life. Uh, so <laughs> you can't even ask Jacob this question. I just yeah, had like I, a bit of a here, spasm when he said that. Here, let me let me fix something real quick. We're, we'll just do the rest of the show like this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like I've it already. Dem- I've been demoted to uh, to the um, yeah in your ear only producer. Jacob, did and you that's know fine. that there's comics? You can read the original Thrawn trilogy in comics. I, I They've do. got comic adaptations. Yeah. There's no excuse. One okay, I'll tell you what. Once I finish the Marvel, the the canon Marvel books, which actually is not that far out of the way for me right now, uh, I will read all of the canon or the Legends Thrawn trilogy via comic books. All right, let me know when you do it. I'll read them with all you right. because I, I will pro- love. They'll probably be sometime this summer, hopefully. I love the comic adaptations. Cheryl, have you read the comic adaptations? No. They're great. They're absolutely great. But are I'll they as a- good as the books? Like what? Like you must be missing huge chunks uh, of yeah. There, no, you have to read both, absolutely. And then you need to collect them in all the different covers available, the hard covers and all three versions of the paperbacks. And you need to listen to um, the, the audiobook, which is also great, with Mark Thompson. You need to get the Heir to the Empire annotated edition, which is available both as an audiobook and a hardcover. I'd recommend doing both. I, mean, I really love them, in case you can't tell. But, uh, Cheryl, I'll send them to you if you don't have them yet. I've got them on Comixology. They're... They're great. I love. What's better than reading about Nogri? Looking at Nogri. Look at their teeth in there. Oh man, it's great. It's excellent. My favorite um, comic panel is like the, with the canon Thrawn, where he it's like feral Thrawn with like his long like hair. Oh, the long <laughs> oh, hair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that one's like my favorite in the comic books. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Cheryl. Um, <laughs> I I actually am trying to collect, trying to acquire the all the different variant covers for the Thrawn miniseries. So if anybody out there has got some, hey, what's up? I got dollars. So um, they're digital dollars, but I think they still work. I don't know. It's all confusing. Economics and what's Bitcoin? Dogecoin? You guys understand that? Oh, oh no. Don't get okay. that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, let me ask you an equally confusing know. question. There's a point, there's a point in this story where you start to realize that 
that Zahn is trying to incorporate this with the bigger picture of Star Wars publishing at the time, which in 2006, there's a big series being published called The New Jedi Order. Ever heard of it? Now, Cheryl and I had a bit of a debate behind the scenes concerning who exactly is Thrawn trying to ward off um, who has he had an encounter with? He and the Chiss have been able to repel, and then ultimately is the reason why um, Palpatine's lackeys leave Thrawn alive, and Sidious chooses to use Thrawn, and that is to repel an invasion by the quote-unquote far outsiders. Right. Now, I think that's the Yuuzhan Vong. Cheryl, do you agree? Do you disagree? I was. I just said you were like, oh, because he says the Yuuzhan Vong. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He says far outsiders. That could be anyone. <laughs> So, theoretically, it could be anyone. Who else could yeah. it be? Yeah, the, it's just like in, in Chaos... Chaos Storm. Chaos Storm. Rising. <laughs> Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. They talk about, like, the far... The great threat out there, right? And so, it's kind of the same idea, I think. So, I don't, I don't think it's any... He yeah. definitely could have been alluding to that. I would, I would say, you are safe in that assumption. I think I came up with that assumption somewhere. I'm going to blame Timothy Zahn. I think in an interview <laughs> that I've heard on a podcast, like a random audience question from Dragon Con 2009 or something right. that I listened to, you know, <laughs> over 10 years ago, I think I think it was probably in one of those where he's like, you know, I, yeah, it was definitely the Yuuzhan Vong. I just wanted to keep it more mysterious than that. Mm -hmm. um, now, if I apologize, Mr. Zahn. That was not a great impression. Um the honorable, the venerable Mr. Zahn, who I just absolutely did a terrible impression of. I'm so sorry, but we love your book. We're going to keep talking about it. I do wonder, though, what if, what if Thrawn hadn't gotten mixed up in this, in Outbound Flight? What if he hadn't had this confrontation with Sabaoth, hadn't had the run-in with the, um, you know, the Nemoidians, and then, of course, is leveraged against Outbound Flight, what if Sabaoth's mission was successful? They go out, they start a new Jedi colony, he's the emperor of his, his new little um, unit that he's trying to develop. What if then Sabaoth is the one that has a run-in with the Vong? What do you think happens there, Cheryl? So, I have, what series is it? New Jedi? New Jedi Order, Order? yeah. <laughs> I think I maybe read the one with the, the moon thing. Yeah. And I was so pissed Vector off Prime. that I didn't read any of the other ones. <laughs> Written by Lemonster native, um, Bobby Salvatore. He lives in my in the town where I live. Trying right. to find him, Mr. Salvatore, if you're listening. Hey, I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't I don't remember enough about them to even come no, up with fine. anything. No, it's fine. They they have no noses. Ask Jacob. I don't know. They don't like organic <laughs> uh. tech. They they only use organic technology. They don't like droids. Oh, they don't like mechanical right. technology. They want to take over the galaxy. They've got a big chip on their shoulders. They have staffs, they like, like in the Bible, that can people? turn into snakes. Yeah, they do. They give people diseases, right? which really hasn't aged well in 2021. <laughs> how, do you think, how do you think Sabayoth would deal with a massive army of invading aliens? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to think Sabayoth is the only egocentric Jedi who's powerful enough to scare the Yuuzhan Vong back into the unknown regions. That's my opinion. What do you think, Jacob? Have you read the New Jedi Order? 
<laughs> so okay, I I, I the answer, short answer no. I know enough about the Vong, I think, to give a somewhat uh, educated opinion. Uh, fun fact: I also read all of Legacy of the Force without having read anything else post Return of the Jedi. So that was a very confusing book series. Just for like me. Corey, that's amazing. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> it was like, who is this? Is what is Centerpoint Station? I'm so. Anyways, <laughs> if you want more uh, on that, we it's can. It's like the uh, meme of the guy it. walking into the room on fire with the pizza. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know me. what's happening. <laughs> Except for in this, Jacob's in a room on fire with Star Wars books. Yeah, and every time a page is a page catches fire, he blows it out. Yeah, um, but I think I I don't I don't know if I mean from what I could remember, aren't the Vong like just very good against fighting against Jedi? So yeah, because the Jedi can't detect them in the Force, right? They're, so they're I don't think Sabaoth yeah. by by himself, the small colony of children, would be able to do that much against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, so if if they get sent back to get back sent back to the core, I don't know if the the current military might of the galaxy. I don't you know. Obviously, there's a, a Jedi army. At that point, which again, not as effective, but I don't know if the clone army compares to the giant military industrial complex that was the Empire. <laughs> right, so yeah. I, I don't think that I think it would be pretty bad times for I mean, even in New Jedi Order is a very bad time for the galaxy. I think Clone Wars era galaxy would be in a much worse situation. You know, you're definitely right. My point is less that it has to do with the force and more that Sabayoth is such a jerk. That they would get, they would get so annoyed with him that they would, they would go back into the unknown regions. Well, you know what series Sabayoth is not in? The sequel slash prequel to this, with what our buddy Andrew Bell calls Star Wars's backwards storytelling magic, and that is Survivor's Quest. Now, Cheryl, you got some, you got a heads up tip to read Survivor's Quest first, which I didn't bother to tell you because. I don't actually think it matters for this book. It matters for Survivor's Quest. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters for Outbound Flight. Now, which one, after having read both, would you recommend people read first? Yeah, and the reason why Mike and Joey were like, read Survivor's Quest first is because they knew that I had it and that I hadn't read it yet. So they were like, well, read Survivor's Quest first. Like, trust us. Like, just... I know you gotta go get to Outbound Flight and reread that, but just if you can bang out Survivor's Quest first, do that because it'll be much more enjoyable. And it was because it's kind of like, it's kind of like a who done it and a mystery right. that like Luke and Mara are solving. And if you read Outbound Flight first, like all of that is gone. Like, right. Yep. That's the one thing I remember is if you read Outbound Flight first, it spoils the ending of Survivor's Quest. However, reading Survivor's yeah. Quest doesn't contribute very much to your understanding of Outbound Flight. Is that true? I mean, no. you don't have to, but I, I, I liked seeing the different, like how they played off. I was like, oh, that's, oh, that, sure. you know? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to I, I, I haven't read it in 10 years, so I don't really know, so I have to go back to it. Um I do want to ask this, though. Which one do you like better? I think I prefer Outbound Flight. Mm-hmm. Me too. Survivor's Quest is, is in my opinion, one of Zahn's weaker books. But If you really like Luke and Mara and them working together, 
you'll really enjoy Survivor's Quest. Yeah, if that's true. If you really, really want a lot of Thrawn, read Outbound Flight because yeah. he's not in Survivor's Quest. That's like saying <laughs> this is one of the worst chocolate ice creams as if there could be such a thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Survivor's still... Quest was also our first uh, bigger glimpse into Chiss society and family structure than any of the other Legends books that we had at that point. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually writing a, a collection, a, a piece for Utini about all the Star Wars books you should read if you want that uh, nitty-gritty chiss stuff. And so they got to make sure I get Outbound Flight in there. Might have to reread it just so I can write an even better piece for the site coming your way this summer sometime. I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> Meg's on vacation, and she does ed- does the editing and scheduling for me. So uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Right now I'm writing a Bad Batch piece that's very, very close to being finished. I've been watching a lot of Clone Wars this week. My wife's like, "Why are you watching Clone Wars?" I'm like, "It's research." All right, this is this is for the site. It's for it's not just to blow off, you know, to waste time. But uh, another good way to waste time, however, that connects to Clone Wars is the way that Obi Wan and Anakin are portrayed in this book. How they tie in. Just absolutely love having them in the book. I wonder though, how how essential are Obi Wan and Anakin for this story, in your opinion? I, I kind of feel like they're shoehorned in to a certain extent just because Zahn wanted to write them. <laughs> what do you think? I think they were I think they were used to give us a gauge of sorts. Like Obi-Wan is known for his conflict negotiation and being a good mediator and advisor. So I kind of see Obi-Wan used as a parallel to Sabayoth's methods and ideology, especially in the beginning story of this book. I think Obi-Wan is also used as the lens through which to view Sabayoth in, like, the Jedi perspective. Yeah, that was the one thing I was really thinking of, too. You really get a good foil for Sabayoth with Obi-Wan's goodness. You know, yeah. he's, he's a good guy at heart. He makes some mistakes along the way. He's a pathological liar, but he is, however, <laughs> a good Jedi at heart in yeah. contrast with Sabayoth, who... Is he's throwing goodness out the window. He's like, I don't care about goodness. I care he's about like, I want to rule people. Yeah. Power. Yeah. <laughs> but and then with Anakin, I think, I think it was just like we see him idolizing the wrong traits in Sabayoth, and that kind of yeah. like further enriches the story of those seeds sown in Anakin's fall, particularly with his impatience and his tendency to want like forced order to obtain quick desired results. Oh. And I. Yeah, you're right. And since we we know Anakin eventually falls, then again there's that parallel because we see Sabayoth fall to the dark from you're, those same temptations of control. You're doing that thing, Shiro, where you blow my mind. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah, this always happens. Whether you're on our show or you're on Conjure Book Club or something, you say one thing, and I'm like, do we read the same book? <laughs> no, you're right. I didn't see that. Uh, Anakin does have that parallel to Sabayoth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. He he. Anakin murders the younglings. Sabayoth kidnaps the younglings. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's about control, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so you got the, the line in uh, Attack of the Clones. He was like, you know, someone should make everyone follow the yes. rules, basically. So mm-hmm. a little extension of that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of the authors in the prequel era will, that you have, everyone likes to try and, plant the seeds for Anakin. I feel like that's almost a, 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 a guarantee for any prequel era novel. And then if, uh, if 
the emperor's involved or the the chancellor's involved too you also have to have a few lines of him being like "Ooh, i am very interested in having this man as my apprentice in like 10 years like i think that, that that's more or less a, a given and, and that's I mean, one of the really fun details in this book is mm-hmm. there's a point where Palpatine gets really freaked out that Obi-Wan and Anakin are going on this mission because they're not supposed to be. And Palpatine's got a big plan to scuttle the mission and blow them up out, out in space. <laughs> and so then he finds out Obi-Wan and Anakin are involved, and he's like, I've got plans for them. Messing everything up! <laughs> and it's, it's excellent that Palpatine wants to destroy Outbound Flight, but he wants to save Anakin. Anakin and Obi-Wan want to see Outbound Flight succeed, but they don't want Sabaoth to succeed. Then Thrawn doesn't want Outbound Flight to succeed, but he also doesn't really care about the Nemoidians. It's all these pieces of people kind of like passive-aggressively hating each other. It's excellent. It's really well done. It's, he does great with those political relationships, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like the Chancellor's playing chess and someone just walks up to his board and takes a piece and then just hucks it into the next galaxy and then he has to go <laughs> run and chase and go find it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, Wait, no, I'm not done. I need that. I just totally pictured Palpatine like picking up his robe and like running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he keeps replacement chess pieces and all those little statues where he keeps his lightsabers. Mm. He also, of course, is uh, ultimately going to use Thrawn in his empire, which is interesting that eventually we get there in the canon Thrawn trilogy. Mm-hmm. Where, of course, right in the middle of the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, which is even prior to that leading up to him joining the empire, I'm still interested in how that's going to connect to the empire, how Thrawn ends up deciding he needs to join. That's going to happen, of course, in the third book, which is called something. Less, lesser lesser evil. evil. Lesser Evil. Look at you guys. Great. However, we just had Greater Good. Uh, I've read it. Cheryl's read it. You've read it, Jacob? Yes. All right. Here we go. So one of the fun things that, uh, of course, we celebrated the fact uh, you guys talked about this in Conjure Book Club. Uh, Cheryl messaged me as she realized on page 13 that this book connects to uh, Greater Good, that we get some references to the Vigari. How does this connect to Greater Good? Yeah, I think this book, like Outbound Flight was our first bigger glimpse into Chiss, into the Chiss ascendancy and their political structure and culture a bit. So it kind of like parallels that way. Um, yeah. Certainly the, the new ones are more fleshed out Chiss characters, like g- way more than this one is. Um, but Outbound Flight was our first time seeing Thrawn among his own people. Oh, that's And a good having point. those yeah. origin stories and seeing what is leading up to his time coming to the empire service but yeah i think that's the biggest parallel is it's the first time that we see thrawn with other chiss yeah yeah i hadn't thought about that hadn't thought about that um i would want to ask two different questions that are connected here if you enjoyed chaos rising and greater good would you recommend outbound flight definitely Yes, yeah. on that. Then the flip side is, if you enjoyed Outbound Flight, would you recommend the Ascendancy books? My first one would be to suggest Thrawn. The yeah. the book that's just called Thrawn. Yes. The, the 20, 2017 <laughs> the, Thrawn? Yeah. yeah. We have to do so much disambiguation <laughs> with Thrawn. Like we mentioned it last week, but that little story at the end of Outbound Flight called Missed Encounter. Yeah. Like, basically verbatim like the yep. beginning of the throne yeah i actually want to go back and reread 
both the um, the beginning of, of Thrawn and Mist Encounter. Maybe I'll do that on my road trip this weekend. That'd be fun to connect here. Uh, it's The paperback is... The, the, the short story is in the paperback of Outbound Flight, right? Yep. Yes, yeah, it's okay. in the back of it. I think uh, I've got a lot of the other short stories in all kinds of different digital folders on my iPad because, you know, you never know when you're going to be sitting in a doctor's office and you, you're just stuck there for three hours and you need a Star Wars short story. And there's nothing scarier to me than being stuck awaiting somewhere without a Star Wars story to consume. <laughs> However, um, one other question before we round out the show tonight, and that is, uh, with all my hopes and dreams of different additions for Outbound Flight, of course, if you have the paperback, it's got the short story of Missed Encounter. We're hopefully going to see another paperback of Outbound Flight. Cheryl, what do you think the chances are that Outbound Flight is selected as one of the essential Legends collections? You know, these new... Um, Legends reprints that are going to happen in the trade paperback size just announced what last month. Got, Have they uh, said how many there are going to be? Like, no, they there's a definite number. Well, so they said there's going to be another wave. I think in the in, it was in the summer. There's uh, another wave of books, and then they no, there's not going to be one in the winter just because of like publishing cycles. And then there's okay. potentially a, more waves next year, depending on I think what sales are. Mm. Yeah. So in my mind, you know. Anything that could be counted as an essential Legends book could theoretically end up in a reprint. Is this an essential Legends book for you? For me personally, obviously. Yeah. Okay, I think so too. I think it's no, I think I'm it's top tier. Yes, I think it's top tier. So, <laughs> uh, what do you think the chances are this is selected? I'm gonna say like they're they're fairly high. I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna say if I was gonna take the over or under, I'd take the one that. I can never get the betting. I don't bet. I'm not a gambler. Um, I'd like to think that this will happen. What do you think? I hope so. I definitely hope so. I can't see why not. Yeah, I Jacob? think it just depends on how many how many of these books we get. Because I, I like, I don't think it's. I definitely don't think it's in the next wave. I think there are too many other important books that are going to come first. It's how many waves are we going to get before you know? Are, are, is interest going to run out before they hit outbound flight? Hopefully, no. Like, I hope they hope they get to it. But yeah, did, we'll just have to wait they and do, see. Um, Heir to the Empire, right? They Heir to the Empire. But they yeah. didn't do whole trilogy. the other two yet. The whole trilogy no. is is slated to come out this year. So they are okay, they didn't so make a big formal announcement, but there has however been leaks through publishing catalogs that they are okay. slated for later this fall. Yeah. So I would think that one's obviously in the first round. I don't think outbound if it, if they are going to do outbound flight, I don't think it's going to be in the first round, but I hope that it is in subsequent so I'll make the prediction, this time next year, we're going to have us another copy of Outbound Flight. And here's why. These tie in so well to yeah. all the Thrawn fervor that's happening right, right now. Mm-hmm. You think Del Rey's not going to stick Thrawn on another cover of a book? Really? I, I mean, mean, I keep on. buying their, uh, the, what was that one? What is it called? Out of print ones. So. That's right. Yeah. Give me a leather-bound Outbound Flight, please. I'll pay 150 bucks for it. Yeah, it's like what well, so like Don't Lesser Evil wife. comes out in the fall of this year, so people are gonna be you here know needing their Thrawn fix next spring. So that's right. You know, maybe. Hey, here we go. All right, we've we've foreseen it. It's happening. Um, now, as as a, a true art connoisseur, Thrawn would really want to have some excellent artwork on the cover of a book featuring him. So, what do you think a re envisioned cover for Outbound Flight would look like? 
um, in case you don't have it here, Jacob, you might have it pulled up. Um, the cover for Outbound Flight is a spaceship. I have it in my hand. Right, it is. It is. Uh, there we go. It's Outbound mm-hmm. Flight, as I like to consider it, a bunch of dreadnoughts duct taped to a storage core. There it is. <laughs> and I heard a lot of people passed over this book because they found the cover, like, not interesting. The cover looks like a sci-fi novel, but it doesn't necessarily look like a Star Wars book, other than the massive Star Wars logo on the front. Mm-hmm. I like the cover because it fits into the larger world of sci-fi. It looks like it could be an Andy Weir novel, but mm-hmm. uh, or, or a James S.A. Corey book, but... I feel like we got to put Thrawn on the cover this time. What is the cover of Outbound Flight if you're if you're designing it? Uh, just Thrawn. <laughs> just it's just big blue face, red eyes, just Thrawn. Star Wars. Just like front so, and center with hearts all around. His face. <laughs> so you may remember I did some some mock-ups for you guys when the when this first uh, this initiative yeah, first came out yeah. and. Um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to contribute to the conversation during this, so I might have done it oh, <laughs> in my spare time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> on the fly. Go. I definitely did. I mean, it's obviously just the cover, and then Thrawn is actually on the back of the, yeah, the paperback. He is. And yeah. it looks great. Like, I really like the art for him there. This is so the I just, Thrawn there's I just ever been. threw him in I the corner. It. Oh, my uh, goodness. Because, I mean, again, with like you were saying, with the uh, new. Uh, Heir to the Empire book, it has like, you know, 275% more Thrawn, so I figured we need a, a, a significant increase in Thrawn on this cover as well. Excellent. The, I love it. It excels in the increase in Thrawn, for sure. He, If he was critiquing it, he would say, perhaps there could be more of me. All right, I tried. <laughs> Eric's is better. Um, I am going to say, I would like to see Thrawn in the middle, Obi-Wan on Obi-Wan and Anakin on one side of him with their arms crossed looking the other way and then shirtless Sabaoth is on the other side with his arms crossed looking cross at uh, at Obi-Wan and Anakin and then over all of their shoulders are naked Palps's um, <laughs> eyes and like that wicked grin that he does right. I mean, you'll only see his face you won't know that he's naked but we know he's naked um, that's that's my pitch. So there's no spaceship. There's just a lot of characters. Way too many characters. Like the Force Awakens poster. That's kind of how I'm picturing it. Nice. <laughs> but Jacobs was great. Uh, if you guys, <laughs> our listeners, have an idea on what you would like the cover for this to be, please let us know. Throw it up in the YouTube comments, which I will definitely check and not forget about. And uh, you can also put those in uh, the Legends Look Back Discord channel. Or you can, of course... Um, give us a comment on Twitter because now I've got the login. So look out, world. Look out, world. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. Jacob, we've got something fun coming down the pipe with Legends yes. Look Back and the Cosmic Force. You want to tell people about that? Yeah, so uh, this is a, a great idea from Jared. We are going to do a bit of a crossover event next month. So there's a great novel by the names of Shadows of the Empire and Legends. And there's also a graphic novel version of Shadows of the Empire and a video game and a soundtrack. So between us, Legends <laughs> yeah. Look Back, uh, and uh, Game Night, we don't have a, a soundtrack show. But if we did, uh, the the group of us will be doing a Shadows of the Empire, uh, I guess, comic book crossover uh, for the month of June. So it'll yeah. be exciting. Yeah, we're going to do an appearance on The Living Force to talk about all the big crossover events that have been 
in Star Wars. So, so like the big multimedia publishing programs. We're going to talk about uh, whenever there's a big push around a certain topic. They just did one recently for Galaxy's Edge, for example. They're doing one, um, of course, uh, really hasn't been one for Mandalorian, which is interesting. So we're going to talk about some of this. Um, we've, of course, got Star Wars Archives getting in on the action. They are going to talk about all of the periphery with Shadows of the Empire, the action figures, the role-playing game, the soundtrack. Uh, and so Trevor's got some crazy stuff, short stories lined up for that. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be our next roundtable. If you're looking for your next Legends book after you've read Outbound Flight and Chaos Rising Part 2, what's it called? Greater Good. Um, now you can pick up Shadows of the Empire. I'm going to start mine within the next few days. How about you, Cheryl? You going to read it? You going to jump in? Even if you're not, just say yes. <laughs> yes. What? You don't want the story of uh, Lizard Shizor using his pheromones to you convince know, Leia to do whatever she wants? I may have read this years and years and years and years ago, but I just, I can't remember enough of it to know if I have or not. It's a big deal in it the Legends world. It seems vaguely familiar. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for sure. I've heard a, a mismatch of opinions on this book, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to forming my own. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks for joining us on Legends Look Back. Thanks to our incredible patrons for your support. We love making the show, and we are glad you are here along for the ride. Special thank you to the one and only Cheryl Bell, to Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, to Elizabeth Cloutier, uh, Jason Mitchell, Sally and Chris Eilerson, and, of course, Freddie C. as well on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Send our buddy Freddie some good vibes, uh, who's got some family emergency on his hand tonight and can't make it. So uh, thoughts and prayers with our buddy Freddie. Looking forward to having him back next week. However, guys, I've loved having you here for the show. This has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed uh, our, our time together. If you, of course, want your thoughts right on the show, you can email us at legendslookbackutini.com. Send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. Leave a comment on this episode on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Legends Look Back. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Jacob is what? Uh, at Jacob Bausch. And is that is that Bausch like the bounty hunter? It is Bausch like the bounty hunter. Perfect. <laughs> and Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl K. Bell. Excellent. If you're looking to buy some of these books and want to help support the show, you can look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link in the profile, and you can get a copy yeeted to your doorstep in no time. Of course, if you've read a book and want to leave us a review, we would love to know what you think. And remember, of course, no matter what you think, please try to keep the Utini fan code and be a force of positivity in the fandom. Until next time, may the force be with you. This is a Utini Broadcast.